it's a bright, fresh morning in Kilkenny, Ireland. I weaved my way through the lanes and streets to find Cartoon Saloon. Hi, Liam. Hiya, Hi. how are you? Good. Thanks. Cartoon Saloon is an animation studio that's made TV series like Puffin Rock and Dorg Van Dango, and their feature animated films The Secret of Kells, Song of the Sea, and The Breadwinner have all been Oscar-nominated. Their latest film, Wolf Walkers, has been getting incredible reviews, with some calling it the best animated film of the year. So I wanted to come and talk to the studio's founders about how they came to form one of the most celebrated animation studios in the world. I'm Liam Garrity. It's time to meet your maker. (coughs) Excuse me. Meet your maker. When I was a young kid, I, I had the notion about animating. I think I saw something on TV. There was, there was stuff about the Don Bluth studio setting up and that, that looked very exciting and kind of made me get the idea at least that it was possible to be an that there was such a thing as an animator, you know, and that it was happening in Dublin. That's Tom Moore, one of the founders of Cartoon Saloon and the director of The Secret of Kells, Song of the Sea and Wolf Walkers. So I remember as a young kid, like, Dad promising me to buy me some cells if I washed the car. And uh, I remember trying to make, very naively, without even a camera, you know, drawing on cells and painting on them on, on the back with house paints and then putting them on backgrounds and just making little cells, like very naive stuff. And then I kind of, I had the weird experience when I was about 14, myself and Ross Stewart, who was the art director in Secret of Kells, we were in school together since we were very young. And we went to visit the Don Bluth studio. A friend had a had an auntie who were, everyone knew somebody who worked in the Don Bluth studio. And it was miserable, you know, like everybody seemed really unhappy. And it just seemed like a factory and it seemed like Don Bluth had the only good job. And we both came out of it going, <laughs> let's do comics. Because <laughs> in comics, at least, you know, we get to draw and design the characters and make up the stories ourselves. And we literally went to Forbidden Planet after after visiting the studio. And I remember us both kind of going, like, let's never get into animation. Well, I always loved drawing, uh, absolutely. I never kind of quit when most kids kind of quit drawing at it, like maybe around nine or ten or whatever. I kept going, kept drawing all the way through. I didn't really associate it with animation all that much. Nora Toomey is another of Cartoon Saloon's founders and the director of The Breadwinner. I was an awful student in school, so I left school actually when I was 15 and went working in factories and stuff for, for a good few years. And I went back to education then when I was about 21, 22, and did kind of foundation course in fine art. But for me, it, I, I thought that you didn't actually get to do much practical drawing, basically. You didn't get to do much of that. What you had to do instead was maybe write an essay about a found object, you know, and, and, and stick it on the wall next to your found object. So I wanted to do something really practical. So some of the, the other students were going to Ballyfermot, which was this uh, course that was set up. Don Bluth, I think, was instrumental in, in setting up that course going on in, in Ballyfermot at the time. So I went up to Dublin and uh, got into that course. So that's, uh, yeah, I really knew very little about animation beyond, um, you know, Disney and watching the usual films you, you do growing up. Well, I was always, as a kid, into drawing and cartoons and 
comic strips like Cavan and Hobbs, Bloom County and things like that. So I wanted to be an illustrator originally and a cartoonist. Paul Young is co-founder and CEO of Cartoon Saloon. That's the lovely Kilkenny rain you can hear behind him. Studied that in Belfast and then tried a bit doing illustration and it wasn't very it wasn't very easy and I was very young starting out so I just, uh, when I was leaving college really still and when I went to university in Belfast so then I saw my dad told me about Barry Fermat and how everybody's hiring Disney's hiring loads of animators from Barry Fermat so at the same time probably Tom heard the same so I went to Barry Fermat to study animation because I thought that would at least would be a 9 to 5 job drawing so that was the reason really Tom Moore had been thinking about going to Edinburgh to study illustration. He wanted to be a comic book artist, but he also didn't want to be too far away from his girlfriend, now wife. So he decided to take a one-year course in Ballyfermot College. So the foundation year in Ballyfermot, I kind of, I got the animation bug again, you know, and I was hanging out with other people who were doing animation. And I stayed interested in animation, but I was wary of it because it seemed so industrial and actually seemed a crazy amount of work. But uh, being around other people and meeting some of the people I now run the studio with, friends I still uh, work with every day, it kind of got the bug again, you know. I wasn't in the same class as Tom, I don't think. I was in the year behind him. And then, but I was more, I know I was an older student, I think, more than most people. Just actually through friends, we, we found out about each other. And I had a, I think I had an illustration portfolio going around, which Tom thought was, was good. And then I'd heard he was a great animator. And we met, I had a party in my house and we met there. I was getting work external outside the studio to help pay bills. And so was Tom in Carlo. He was doing a bit of work, I think, every now and then. And so I had a big job came in and I was afraid of taking it on. And Tom says, oh, no, let's take it on. We'll work on it together. So that's how we sort of started working together. And we knew, so we always knew there was, I mean, we were surrounded by people who could animate and draw. So we thought, oh, well, like, if we take on any job, we'll usually we'll be able to delegate work to people and everybody can make some money. And between the two of us, we both had different contacts in, you know, the burgeoning CD-ROM industry of the late 1990s and the early internet stuff. And we started doing little jobs like that on the side. And so one client said that they'd rather we invoice as a company. And so we came up with the name in an afternoon. We went from Young Tom Productions to Cartoon Saloon in an afternoon because we didn't want it to be called anybody's name so that it could be like a a bigger thing so that's where it came from and that was just a, something that we were doing out of our bedrooms as sole traders you know it wasn't the main the, the main idea was not to form an animation company it was to make projects and because to make projects you had to form a company that was kind of the way it's kind of still is the way really you know, that we operate but yeah I hung out with Tom and Paul in college and Tom at the time was talking about this feature film I think maybe it was a short film idea at the time that he wanted to make called Rebel which became The Secret of Kells he attracted about I'd say about was there oh, there was over 10 of us I think who were all planning to come down to Kilkenny after after college to help you know make this this amazing film whether it's going to be short or long I don't know they started out making e-cards if you don't remember the glorious days of e-cards they were like animated greeting cards that you could send over email in the early part of this century 
Fado, fado. Somehow there was this weird market for e-cards that came up. It was a fella, Alan Quigley, I think, who brought the idea. He was one of the founders of Boulder, I think, who told us about it. And he was early on, he was involved in Cartoon Saloon. So Cartoon Saloon and the, and the development of Secret of Kells kind of overlapped to the point where all the same artists were, we were all working together. So when we came down to Young Irish Filmmakers to try and get the film made, we realised that Cartoon Saloon kind of came with us and that we needed to, like, meld the two together. And I'd been so impressed by this documentary I'd seen about Richard Williams, because The Thief and the Cobbler, the great dream that was never realised, but the idea that he was making a feature on the back of doing commercials. We had the slightly more, uh, (laughs) slightly even more naive business plan of making a feature film on the back of e-cards. So we were trying to do these e-cards, which is weird little mini productions and a weird little training ground. Because in Ballyferma, you were trained to be a specialist. And the e-cards were the very beginning of Flash, where you literally could animate, colour, composite, put sound do everything make a little mini piece all on your own which was totally new thing in the history of animation it was really the rare rebel the kitchen sink animator who did everything animation was the way we were taught it was a really uh, subdivided specialized thing but e-cards kind of were the Funny enough, when I think about it now, as I talk to you, they were kind of the most guerrilla indie production method you could think of because with a very early version of Macromedia Flash and a few free sound files off the, off the interweb, you could make a little film, as it were, you know. All the while, they were developing what would eventually become The Secret of Kells, a film about a young boy in a remote medieval outpost in Ireland under siege from Vikings and tells the origins of the Book of Kells. thing is it became a kind of defining first we made a trailer we had FOSS money and the support of young Irish filmmakers and then that trailer kind of became our calling card because that was like the best thing we'd done and, and the highest production values of anything we'd done and we'd all work together as a team but then you know we made Nora's first short film which was really a film not just a trailer and that was another thing so we were sort of gradually learning by doing shorts and by trying to find the finance for Secret Accounts how to run a company how to be animators designers art directors all the things we needed to be and and we were also kind of, uh, let's say, um, you know, when a smoker gives up and they say, I've given up to all their friends. And then they have to be a committed non-smoker and they'd feel so ashamed if they start smoking again. So we had a big party in Temple Bar in 2001 <laughs> announcing the launch of our feature film, which, you know, it took us another eight years before it was finished. But the idea was that we'd said we were doing it, so we bloody well had to do it. It took us so many years, I think, to get the funding together and that, that we had, we made the, the original little teaser that we made, which was a very different story. It was concentrating on the kind of more adult journey, basically, like you two um, kind of adult monks and having lots of philosophical discussions. And then, you know, the Vikings came. So it, was, it wasn't really a kid's film, I guess, at that point. 
and then putting the money together was another side that we didn't know much about but we got great advice from Jerry Sheeran our now managing director to go to like Mipcom and to Cartoon Movie and I think we went to Cartoon Movie um, back in 2000 I can't remember which year it was probably back in 2001 or 2002 and pitched uh, Rebel for the first time and that was and that was going somewhere we'd never been and we'd never met European film producers before and I met a guy Didier Brunet on the bus on the way to the place from the airport who was making the Belleville Rendezvous at the time or triplets of Belleville from France and he was working in Canada and I just overheard him looking for animators to to help with the bicycle scenes for the Tour de France so I just offered my card and I was very naive I was just giving my card to everybody saying oh we do animation and uh, also says we're doing a pitch so he came along to our pitch immediately after he says oh I want to co-produce this from France and we'd like to help you. And then they did, and he did, he did try to help, but he was still in the middle of a film, so that took a while then. But we hooked up with him and Vivian van Fleteren in Belgium to try and raise the money. And all the time, you know, we had money from the film board, Irish film board, to develop Rebel at the time. And then, we, and then when Didier became free, he started really pushing it in France. And in fact, the funding for, from France came before any funding, like commercial funding from Ireland. So uh, Canal Plu and uh, France Television for DVD and uh, Distributor all came in from France very early on. I've lived too many ages. Just to catch you up, yeah, I mean, in Secret of Kells and Skunk Fu, which is a project Aiden had come up with, they both hit, took off at the same time. So suddenly the studio went from like 10 or 15 people in a freezing cold part of an old orphanage to this glorious uh, studio space during there. But there was, you know, suddenly 80 of us and it was really busy and it was just this high, this huge sense that it's happened, we've arrived and it was working out and we were co-producing. It was bloody hard work, but we were really proud of it. And then we released it to what we imagined was a, you know, <laughs> an audience just gagging for this, you know. But we released it into, I don't know, the recession hit 2008, 2009, Ireland. And it just kind of disappeared, like so many Irish films do. It just kind of disappeared, despite the best uh, attempts of our distributors, Disney. That was very depressing for me because, you know, we sort of had this uh, slow ascent to being a, a real studio and being taken seriously. And we'd done something that I felt was really the best we could do. But it was kind of ignored at home. Bit by bit, though, as it toured film festivals around the world, it started to get noticed. And then... For Best Animated Feature, the nominees are Coraline, Henry Selleck, Fantastic Mr. Fox, Wes Anderson, The Princess and the Frog, John Musker and Ron Clements, The Secret of Kells, Tom Moore, and Up, Pete Docter. And it made its way all the way to the, being nominated for an Oscar, which was the best marketing we could have had for the States because everyone was like, what the hell is this little Irish film that got nominated? It's the best thing the Academy could have done for us because that meant that there was like a box office record broken in the IFC cinema in New York on the weekend it was released and uh, it was just amazing feeling. (laughs) 
watching the 82nd Academy Awards live were students and staff of Ballyfermot College who'd gathered in the college in the middle of the night to watch the ceremony live. Many of the students wore tuxes. I was there on the night and I spoke to the then head of the animation degree course, Gareth Lee. And we're here at the uh, the Ballyferman Oscar party. Um, how's it going so far? It's going it's going great. Yeah, we have a good turnout. I'd say there's certainly over 100, might be 150 maybe people here, which is great. And there's a good atmosphere, good mixture of staff and students and graduates. They're all they're having a good time, all excited about the uh, ceremony coming up. And there's, uh, am I, is it four nominees? Four uh, previous it's, students? It's four previous students who are nominated and two of them are nominated uh, for the same film. Daryl Connell and Nikki Phelan from Brownback, they're nominated for the same film, but they're both graduates of the college. And then obviously Tom Moore from Cartoon Saloon and uh, Richie Bainham, who, who worked on Avatar. So all four are, are graduates of the, of the college. Here are the nominees for Best Animated Feature Film. Coraline. Directed by Henry Selleck. Fantastic Mr. Fox. Directed by Wes Anderson. The Princess and the Frog. Directed by John Musker and Ron Clements. The Secret of Kells. Directed by Tom Moore. Up. Directed by Pete Docter. And the winner is... Up. Up may have won on the night, but the nomination was enough to put Cartoon Saloon on the map. It just did really well, and it's still doing really well in the States. People kind of rediscovered hand-drawn animation and all sorts of things, and independent animation, and it opened up a whole way in the US for our distributor G-Kids to introduce European films to American audiences, so it was great. But in Ireland, people were all like going, oh, uh, when's it coming out? <laughs> it's great that you got nominated for an Oscar. Or sometimes they think we won an Oscar, you know, because it amounts to the same thing, you know, as far as most people are concerned, something to do with the Oscars. And of course, it had been out and had been roundly ignored. So I, to this day, I meet people from Kilkenny who go, oh, there's an animation studio in Kilkenny. And I meet some random person from the middle of, of America who knows who we are. So it's funny that way. Their next feature film, Song of the Sea, would continue diving into Irish folklore for inspiration. What happened with Song of the Sea was I was in early production of Secret of Kells and I was on holidays in Dingo with my son, who was 10 at the time, and my wife, and we were drawn down by the beach. Uh, my son saw something kind of disturbing. It was a seal's head in the surf, and then I didn't really believe what was he talking about. And he said, oh, it's an alien's head, Dad. Look, it's an alien's head. I said, what is it? I said, a beach ball or something. And I said, oh, it was scary. And I recognised it almost looked like a human skull in the surf. And we looked around and we saw there had been a kind of a beheaded seal on the beach. Because they looked like a rock at first. And, oh, it's quite disturbing. So we asked the woman who we were renting the cottage from, what was the story with that? And she said that there was this thing happening where a young fisherman had started killing seals, blaming them for the falling fish stocks. Personally, I imagine it's more to do with overfishing. I don't imagine it's the seals' fault, but who knows? They were considered pests and, and they, were, they were killing them almost for sport. And, and she said that wouldn't have happened uh, years ago because people had a kind of respect for seals. And she kind of reminded me of the Selkie stories and the, the belief that seals might be the souls of people lost at sea and, and stuff like that. So I told this story to my friend Ross, who was art director in Secret of Kells, and he gave me a book called The People of the Sea, which was a collection of stories, Selkie stories and seal stories from Scotland and Ireland. And that just started me thinking along the lines of 
all the stuff that there wasn't really space for in Secret of Kells. And, and I'd heard that it, w- it was important to start another project while you're working on a, pro- on a project because that means no matter what happens with the, fir- the first project, the second one's already underway and you're already into something else so you don't feel the pressure of the first one. So, so to some extent I knew needed to get thinking about another project if we were going to have longevity. So, and the film board were encouraging us. So I started to dream up the idea of Song of the Sea that way. Between the hill, between the now. There was a sort of melancholy for me around the Celtic Tiger era that there was something being lost. And I thought about the fact that the folklore that was being forgotten about the seals was part of the reason why the seals were being killed. And I thought that we're just, we're just losing more than just stories when we're losing folklore and we're losing this tradition. And I mean, it's been preserved in a funny way for tourists and it's respected, but only through the lens of capitalism that, oh, this stuff is worth something, we can turn it into business or blah, blah, blah. But in a really natural, intuitive, intrinsic way in the community, it's really gone. And uh, it's just because we've embraced this globalised capitalist way of looking at everything. So just to me, it felt that we were losing something when we were losing folklore, a certain wisdom and a certain respect for the natural world. And I wanted to sort of make some kind of comment on that at the same time as, as applying all I'd learned about making a film from Secret Kells because you know when you make a film the one thing you realise is everything you don't know and you just want to do another one straight away to show that you've figured something out you know For Best Animated Feature Film, the nominees are Big Hero 6, The Box Trolls, How to Train Your Dragon 2, Song of the Sea, and The Tale of the Princess Kaguya. Congratulations. Stay tuned for the second part of our announcement with Academy President... Song of the Sea was another home run, and while Tom worked on that, Nora Toomey was busy working on what would be the studio's third feature film, an adaptation of The Breadwinner, Deborah Ellis's book about an 11-year-old girl living under Taliban rule in Afghanistan in 2001. When I was young, Padawana, I knew what peace felt like. Stories remain in our hearts even when all else is gone. Parana, were you listening at all? Yes, Papa. Why is this girl not at home? She should cover herself properly. Deborah Ellis is an author who uh, spent years in, in refugee camps in Pakistan and she wrote a book called The Breadwinner, first of a trilogy of books, actually. And we were approached by two guys from a company called Aircraft Pictures in Canada who had the rights to the book. They had, I think, looked at a way of doing it in live action, but then decided it would be a better animated film, probably because they couldn't at the time shoot in Kabul. It would have been a hard enough thing to do. So they came to us with Anita Doran, who is a live action filmmaker, a screenwriter. She wrote a a version of the screenplay, which was animation friendly in that it made the most of the opportunities you have in animation, whereas at the same time kept very much the, the... momentum of the journey of the young girl in The Breadwinner. So the story is about a young girl who 
cuts her hair and uh, dresses as a boy, which actually is still going on these days uh, in, in lots of families where you don't have male members in that family to to go out and earn money. Oftentimes young girls will, prepubescent girls will cut their hair and dress as boys. But of course in Taliban times it was a much more serious situation where even to go outside your door you needed a male relative with you. So if you didn't have that, you often, you know, you were you were you could starve, you know. Good evening ladies and gentlemen, you're all very welcome to the Watergate Theatre. Uh, and this hometown premiere of The Breadwinner by Nora Toomey and Cartoon Saloon. Uh, you all having a good weekend? Kilkenny Animated is a visual storytelling festival co-directed by Cartoon Saloon's Paul Young. It's where Nora's film received a standing ovation from the sold-out screening. When I was talking to you, like I said, it was in 2014. And I'm not sure how far along you would have been at that stage, but I know you were, you were obviously working on the movie, but now you're here. What's this point like after finishing it? And oh, it, It's pretty amazing. Tiring, I have to say. You know, and I prefer the earlier stages. You know, when you, at that time, we would have been um, making the screenplay. We would have been doing our first few concept images. We would have been thinking about what team we were going to pull together for it so I'm more comfortable with that whole phase of it rather than standing up in front of audiences and trying to explain what the film is about or you know uh, th- that kind of or answer questions that we were hoping would, would remain kind of instinctual kind of emotional reactions to the film you know so so trying to navigate all that is, is kind of difficult but it's lovely seeing the film with different people you know and we screened it in Washington DC with the First Lady of Afghanistan you know and, and we've seen it with many different audiences including young girls who also would have dressed as boys in their you know in their childhood in Afghanistan to accompany their sisters to secret schools or to provide for their family or just simply to get by that little bit better than they would otherwise have done We're all flawed, you know, and that's what we respond to. We respond to conflict. We respond to, you know, in, in a story with drawings and things like that. I think I, I always respond to them much more than really perfect CGI, you know, or anything where you go down the whole uncanny valley kind of route or anything like that. I, I, I prefer when you see somebody trying for something new or something extra and maybe they might fail you know but but to me that's a hell of a lot more interesting than like the perfect hero's journey in a three-act structure that you know kind of that's that's, you know for for me yeah seeing seeing all the seeing somebody try that extra bit and be that little bit more brave in terms of the storytelling or in terms of the the animation that they're trying out or new techniques or whatever you know to me that's a hell of a lot more interesting than you know the, the perfectly polished piece It's no surprise that the breadwinner was also nominated for an Oscar for Best Animated Feature. During the animation festival in Kilkenny, everyone has gathered at Langton Set Theatre. There's going to be a gig celebrating the music and animation of Cartoon Saloon's TV series Cool on Tea. It sees different animators create animation for traditional Irish songs that are performed by the likes of Keela and Mary Coughlin, both of whom you're about to hear. I'm trying to lean the soul of a queen. 
What I loved about animation was I, I liked drawing and I, lo- and I loved drawings moving. And since then, obviously, I've realised animation is filmmaking and there's all kinds of animation, from puppet animation, CGI animation, weird hybrid animation like Flash and stuff, which is partly drawing, partly CG animation. So for me, it, that was the thing that appealed to me originally, was just the magic of drawings moving. But now I think that as a medium, as a filmmaking medium, it's f- so free, so open to interpretation it can be anything it's not a genre it's a medium and i think that animation has found its way into every aspect of filmmaking to the point where live action films people don't realize or you know sometimes something like gravity is almost an animated film and so for me animation is just the limitless possibilities of it you know Cartoon Saloon's newest feature animated film is Wolf Walkers. It's about a 17th century hunter who has a change of heart when she travels to Ireland to wipe out the last pack of wolves. It's directed by Tom Moore and Ross Stewart and will be available on Apple TV and in cinemas soon. This episode is part of my ongoing Animation Island series that explores the history of animation in Ireland. If you haven't listened already, there are episodes on everyone from Walt Disney to Don Bluth. If you're enjoying the series, the best thing you can do for me is to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. If you want to go one step further, you can support the show on Patreon by giving a few euro every month on patreon.com forward slash meetyourmaker. The show takes a lot of work to make. This particular episode was recorded over several years, in fact. So if you can throw the price of a cup of coffee my way every month, then I'd really appreciate it. Until next time. Meet Your Maker is a member of The Warren, the home of great Irish podcasts. You can check out more shows at thewarren.ie.